Ever thought about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season six of Drink It In The Podcast. Let me entertain you. My name is Jordana Barakhov. By now, you know I'm an educator by trade. However, I am able to completely relate to almost every one of our guests this season. The process of creativity is simply fascinating. They say great minds think alike. Maybe there's something to that. Enjoy season six. Hi, everyone. This is Jordana Baracha from Drink It In underscore Jordana, and we are in season six of my podcast. Woohoo! I can't believe it. So I'm interviewing different entertainers, and I have here with me today an entertainer that I first saw 17 years ago. 17 years ago, it was a Hanukkah concert at Brooklyn College for this singer back then, Kinneret, and she was the MC. And I was sitting there in the audience, second row with my two girls who are much grown girls, moms themselves now, and we were at the edge of our seats. This MC was unreal. I was like, I, my mouth was open. I couldn't, I couldn't take it. And now, I see her all the time on Instagram and TikTok, and it's just unbelievable. So without further ado, Leah, could you please tell everybody about yourself, where you're from, just everything you do? Oh, gosh. We'll be here all day. I'll keep it nice and short. Okay. Hello, listeners. It's Leah Forster. Well, also viewers, right? Because you put this video yes. up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, listen, that's the generation we're in today. We need visuals. We can't just listen anymore. Um, Leah Forster, and I'm not sure what I am, to be honest, but one of the things that I do is comedy, so, you know, definitely more well-known for that, but thank you so much for having me on, Joanne. I'm excited to do this with you. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Now, did you have any training in all this entertainment stuff that you did? Like, like I know, like, maybe not official training, not official training? Um, well, I would say... Um, well, no, I went to Bisiakov all through and there was no official training. However, um, there's a lot of talent like in the Jewish community. I'm sure, you know, you interview all the people. So I did really have some good opportunities in high school. I always played the, you know, comedic roles. And so I got my training from my directors and they were actually really great. But at some point directors would like throw the script in the air and just be like, oh, Leah, you're going to do whatever you want anyway. You're not (laughs) listening to us. And I didn't. Um, so maybe I trained them. Who knows? But I didn't have any formal training. But then when I did go to college, um, I did take a lot of electives. So I took a lot of improv classes and things like that. But at that point already, I was already doing my thing for a long time. Right. Okay. So this was something like, did you find yourself like entertaining in the household also? Were you like putting huh, on shows for your family? not. Oh. No. I was the quiet one in my family. And it's so funny because like for years after when I would sit by the Shabbos table with my husband, like he would say to me how shocked he was that I was so quiet at the Shabbos table. And I'm like, yep, this, my family's very powerful and loud. And I was the quiet one. Go figure. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Cause in my family, I'm like the loudest one. They call me the black sheep of the family. 
And I used to even go to my We neighbor. have something in common. I'm also the black sheep of my family. Same thing. Like Sashana would say, same thing. So I would, I would go to my next door neighbor every Friday night from a young age, from like starting like six years old. And I, they had these doors that opened up between their dining room and their living room. And I would come out open up those doors and I'd give them a whole show every Friday night. Like that was the big event when Jordana would show up Friday night in their house. Listen, let's be honest. Shabbosim were endless. There was nothing else to freaking do. So now talk to me about your creative process. My creative process has, it's been an evolution. It's always different things that inspire me, but more often than not, it's relatable things like funny people that I meet or funny encounters that I have. And I'm like, this would make a great joke. That's usually what happens. Now, obviously the people closest to me in my life don't like that because they don't like the mentality. Like this would make a great joke. But honestly, right. sometimes like mid fight, I used to tell like my partner, like this is going to be a great joke. And they'd be like, it's not funny. We're in the middle of arguing. Right. Um, but my creative process has evolved a lot on, like I said, on that end. But also um, you said, I can talk about anything. So I will say that for me personally, being stoned really helped me come up with some really good material because I have a theory and I don't know if you're going to cut this or not, but I have a theory that I'm really high all the time. And the only time that I'm actually sober alone with my thoughts is when I'm high, when I'm stoned high. So that's my theory, but maybe that's the theory of a stoner. But overall, I do feel that when I have less noise in my head, Okay. and all my tasks are completed and all my responsibilities are met and I feel calm is when I usually have the most creative process because mm -hmm. my creativity has a chance to shine it's not being blocked by the noise and the responsibilities of things I funny that people don't know this about me but I don't really give a hoot if my comedy career works out or not because for me it's strictly a passion I have a career and um I'm never ever going to depend on a group of people anymore for a living or for validation or for anything. So I love it. I love making people laugh, but if it goes away tomorrow, like I'm good, I'm really good. I love it. Don't get me wrong. And I appreciate you all, but you know, there's no part of me that like needs it or depends on it. Obviously I love making people laugh at the passion and just like everybody right. taps into their passion. I'm also tapping into this passion. Uh so, so yeah. funny. Two things I wanted to touch on that you just said, Leah. For me, I also, as a teacher and things that I prepare, I also have a process to things. Um, so my thing is always sitting in the car. <laughs> when I get to that traffic light and it's red and like my mind is like quiet then, like there's no noise. And obviously I'm alone in the car and then it really works. Or if I go for a walk and I'm just like in that zone. And then also Saturday morning when the kids are still sleeping, and no one's around, then I like the ideas start popping in my head. And it's it's really unbelievable. So I really get what you're saying that 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 quiet noise in the head 100%. Now you touched on something a career. What's your other career? I'm in home care and health care. Oh, I did um, not know. Good for you. Yeah. So oh. uh, it's a very long story of how I got into it. But I'm just going to give you the very short Cliff's Notes version. Um, I was a teacher in the from community for 13 years. I taught AP classes, Shakespeare. And I also taught once a week in our local community college. I taught um, adjuncts at night. Okay. Um, but that was, I mean, you know, but that was my whole career. And then 
I made changes in my life and things happened. And from one day to the next, I was left without a career or community and a family. So I really hit my rock bottom or so I thought. And um, I explored other avenues because that was all I've ever done. And I went into marketing for a home care company. Like this one guy was like, I think that coincidentally a very from Erlach amazing person who, like I said, I just want you to know, by the way, like I'm Leah Forster and you're like the first place that I'm going to since I, you know, right. changed my, you know, so you might get like feedback. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't care. He's like, what does your professional life have to do with mm-hmm. your personal life? Like, you know, and I was amazed that like, I was able to see a from person that like was so welcoming and accepting regardless of my affiliation or orientation. Right. And yeah, he was really cool and he gave me a chance. Anyway, long story short, um, I would say three months into the company, I made what I made an entire year from teaching. So the rest is history. And now you're flashing forward 10 years later and, you know, like I'm, I'm in corporate and, you know, wow. and like, yeah. So it really, it, it really happened in a beautiful way. But at the end of the day, comedy is something that I do for fun and I don't depend on it for a paycheck. So. Oh, that's so cool. See, I did not know that about you. Very nice. So what now, when, when I asked you, like, you how know, would you- Based on what I post, like if I really right. gave a hoop about what people think, I would definitely not post half the stuff I post on my page. <laughs> and, and sometimes I think about it before I post it, like, you know, all parts of my life. And I'm just going to be very general for your listeners, very. but I do post certain parts of my life. And in my head, I'm like, mm, well, at this point I perform for large comedy clubs right. in other States too. So it's like, at this point I have a large non-Jewish following and a big queer following. And, right. you know, it's like a big mix of a lot of different things. And, and then people that know me from the work. So you know, but at the end of the day, I know that a large portion of my following is religious and, right. and orthodox and from, and take offense to a lot of the things they see, you know, and if I really gave a hoot, like if they clicked on follow, I wouldn't post it, but I'm like, Hey, right. this is right. it. This is what you signed up for. So, right. You don't have to, I have, I have the same thing. Sometimes I have, I have people that follow me and, and I'm like, why are you following me? You don't like me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. So my, my oldest daughter, they're my like social media people. And she's like, Ima, you know, there's something called hate followers. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't relate to that. I'm not going to follow someone I don't want to follow, but I guess mm-hmm. it's, you know, I can't relate to all different types of mentalities. There are all different types of people out there. Okay. And you know what? It's okay. Like everybody uses social media for different reasons. So knock right. yourself out. People right. are like, why do you have a private page? And it's actually really hard. Cause I'm like, filming something big for something mm-hmm. big and like it's annoying because anyone from the from the production company that needs to see something will click and request me and they're like at this point why don't you have a public page and I'm like purposely because when you click follow you make a conscious decision that you want to follow me right. recognize that when you follow me it's enter at your own risk you know right, right. so right. and if you don't want then unfollow me it's a private account for that reason not because I have right. anything to hide because right. I yeah. want you to consciously decide that this is content you want to see, you know? I like that. I like that. Very smartly. Very, very smart. So now when you have this social media platform, what was, what, what was your thinking when you started the whole social media? Just like fun? Absolutely no thinking because when I was like fired from my job and also back in the days, now I sound like I'm a billion back in the day. <laughs> There was no competition. I was the only from female comedian. So I was being flown around the world and performing for thousands of women. Like it it didn't, this 
you know, this like social media thing wasn't a thing because people actually went out and purchased tickets to come see me or they went out and purchased the DVD so they could take mm. me to their homes, but either way. So and then I started to go on social media years later. This is after the community right. bid me their farewell. Um, and not everyone, of course, just, you know. And um, I'm like scrolling through Instagram and I see like influencers, Rome influencers, but they're like wearing short sleeves or they're like wearing short skirts or some are even in leggings. And I'm like, wait a minute. And they have so many religious followers. Right. I'm like, when did it become like, okay for people to suddenly start following people on social media that they would never associate with in real life mm -hmm. that's when I started to view social media as this like entertain it's entertainment right. and I'm like hey I'm nothing if not an entertainer right. so I started posting like silly jokes here and there I didn't really think it was going anywhere and one day I just looked at my page and I was like wow I have like 2,000 followers 3,000 I woke up one day at 10,000 it was nothing and then I had this whole story that happened with Garden of Eden where I was, you know, after I was, you know, I, you might want to blank. Actually, you don't have to. They're dead now. They're yeah, they don't closed. exist. The restaurant's closed. Exactly. So it doesn't even that. matter. And it was never Garden of Eden. It was the, you know, it was the Hashgacha. It was not him because he's an incredible guy. But when that whole thing happened, I woke up the next day and I had double the amount of followers that I had. And suddenly I was being invited to like, you know comedy seller and like which is like the most prestigious club in in new york comedians mm. die for a tiny little spot on the stage right you know that's like the most hush of you know and so it was like a another blessing in disguise and that's when i realized like things that happened to me where i think i'm at my rock bottom end up serving me really well later and sometimes i'll see it sometimes i won't but i sort of just roll with the punches now yeah. you know what i mean yeah i'm yeah, just no here Right. You have no other choices, right? You, yeah. And then you can sulk all day long. Who wants that? <laughs> so when, so now when, in reference to the entertaining part, um, you just mentioned that whole fiasco issue that had with the Hashkacha with Garden of Eden. Would you call that an obstacle or a challenge that you had to overcome? Would you? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it was so bizarre to me because I had kept my private life so private. Yes. I've never... Yes. And even when I was with my husband, I never put up pictures of my husband because I just, in general, I don't believe in, in putting my relationship out there. This is personally my personal belief only because I am who I am and people, right. strangers follow me. So if I had a private little thing for just my friends, sure. But like strangers follow me that I don't know. And I, I'm not privy to their private life. I don't want to be, but I don't feel that someone should be privy to my private life. If you don't know me on that level. So I wasn't secretive, but I also wasn't public for strangers. And then all of a sudden, like one morning I woke up and my name was slapped on a newspaper and it said, you know, can I, can I say the word that rhymes with schmesbian? That's the word that was on the cover. And it was like, ouch, because first of all, here's, a, here's an exclusive for your listeners. I never said that I was that. Right. I never put a label on myself. I loved my husband very much. You know what I mean? And I never said I was anything. Life happened. Things happened. I like what I like. And I'm not apologizing for it. But I never put any sort of label on myself. So that was a hard thing for me to come to terms with. Because as a person, I don't like to label myself. And that's how I feel about Frumkite. And that's how I feel about politics. Like, I love Judaism. I'm a very proud Jew. And I do what I can. And what means something to me. And what I actually am choosing to do. And one day... I'll have my day with the Lord. You know what right, I mean? Right. And 
and that's how I feel about politics. Like, don't box me into a box just because people like me have certain, you know, values. You don't know me. You don't know what I believe, you know? Right. So my point is that that was a hard thing for me to swallow, seeing my name in black and white. But then more so, I, I was filled with a lot of fear because even though my family was not speaking to me by their choice, I consistently reached out to my mother, like every Chavez, to say a Chavez called her it always went to voicemail but I know she got my messages and I know this but um I didn't want to hurt my family I didn't want to there was no reason I was a teacher for many years in very prestigious schools you know right and I wasn't trying to hurt my students and my co-teachers it's painful for them and I can acknowledge that that I changed and I was once this and I'm not this to them anymore and that's hurtful and disappointing and I'm not trying to hurt anybody right you know I didn't go to the media. It happened. Um, so yeah, it was horrible. And what was more horrible was that I had taken such pains to be so private and to be so respectful. And now it was the very thing that I was careful of was used against me by my own people that I was trying to be careful of. So yes, it was very painful, but again, I'm way past that. It's been many years and, and it taught me a lot about myself and about people. And also presented me with amazing new opportunities. Right, right. You know? Right. You know, I, I wanted to say one thing to you. I I 100% back you up on the fact how you were saying how um, you very much try to be very private. I don't know if you recall, but I had said, I had said this is my sixth season. My first season of doing the podcast was called Social Media, Where's the Line? And I specifically at that point in time, I just got it started. I reached out to you at that point in time because I thought you were like, a giant and you had it like down pat of how to keep things private and really you you knew the line and I so wanted to interview you on that topic it was so funny it didn't work out so it's working out for this that's fine yeah but I'm like just saying people, I, um, I recognize it I just wanted you yeah, to know I like, definitely uh, recognize it, it. it it's who I am to the core and probably a lot from where I come from but also things that I learned is that why do I like performing so much well I love making people laugh that's my favorite thing but I like it because there's a very clear boundary and I'm not trying to hurt anyone who's listening, God forbid, but I'm on stage and you're over there. I'm behind the camera and you're over there. There is a boundary between us. And so I'm on stage and I'm giving you a piece of myself and I hope I take pieces from you, the laughter especially, but then it's over. We're not personally connected. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's a boundary. And for me, that's what social media has always been. It's always my choice to share what I feel like choosing. And I get that sometimes people think that because you share some stuff, you're entitled to share, like you're entitled to everything. Mm -hmm. And a perfect example would be, which everything comes back to bite you in the face. That's how life works. Right. Sorry. But my partner was not comfortable with the fact that they did not show up on my page because they felt like a lot of people would message me privately and you know, right. yes, yes, she I... said shot, slide in the DMs. <laughs> and my partner didn't feel comfortable with that. So I would make sure that my my social media had a reference to the fact that I was indeed partnered to someone right. I care about, right? right. Um, and, but it wasn't something that I would have done. That's not a personal thing that I would have done. Um, I would have never addressed it and I wouldn't care. Like right. I would just ignore it and I don't believe it's anyone's business, you know? Right. Right. But when you care about somebody, you compromise. That was my exactly. way of compromising. I would never do it again. I've learned that I would never ever put my private, you know what I'm saying? Right. But mm-hmm. again, 
I feel bad because now we are no longer together for a a while and they still get really uncomfortable messages and invasive messages from people, Mm. you know, saying really hurtful things or sending them pictures or screenshots or whatever. And it's like, that's the part of social media that I struggle with because Mm. in what world is this acceptable? If you saw that person out, would you ever do that? No, No. there's a comfort behind the screen, which I understand, but which is why I addressed it. I did address it, but you know, it's confusing to me. But I guess everyone has their own journey. But it is confusing to me sometimes. Yes, I hear that. I hear that. I hear that. Sorry about that. I'm sorry you had to go through that, and you still go through it. But I, I, I trust me. I'm not. I'm not big like you. And yeah, I, <laughs> I had to learn how to deal with that for the past year. I, I'm getting better at it. But yes, I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> if you could collaborate with anybody, who would you? Oh want my to- God, a collab! Like, is a there some collab? <laughs> I would only collab with the Rebecca Shalalem. Hello. Um, if I could collab, because it's gonna be such a cheesy answer, but honestly, I'm open to collabing with anyone because everyone brings their own like cool flavor. I hear that. And also, even if it's somebody that I don't particularly like, I would definitely have things to make fun of. So <laughs> win-win. Win-win. You know. That's say, is I'll there anyone like famous? Them. Like famous, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I could be on that show or do a. a- do a routine with them or um like what's my dream yeah. I think oh my gosh okay so my but not now because they suck but back oh. in the day I would dream about being on SNL because oh, I love God. doing accents and I'm like very good at uh, improv um and I actually had opportunity go yeah. figure I had opportunity a million and a half years ago when I was in London uh-huh. I was flown out to perform in Stanford Hill and I came the day before to do a sound check. And when I was doing a sound check, the producer from SNL was there and he was listening to me on stage and I was doing my little accent and my things and I'm just riffing. And he came over to me after the show and handed me a business card and said, we want you to come audition for Saturday Night Live. You're so funny. Uh-huh. And at the time, my... Child was in the Yakovetinda Avenue, which is the most prestigious school in Brooklyn. Right. I taught in Missouri, Stravmere, and Lave, three very prestigious flopper schools. My parents are, you know, very well res- I'm highly entrenched in the community. I'm like, if I even entertain this, right. I lose everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I literally just put the card in the I put the card in in, you know, whatever. But every once in a while, I would pull it out and be like, I had the opportunity. I could I could have had a shot, you know? Mm, mm. But now you're not interested, so. <laughs> oh, no. I realized, you see, and that's the thing, like, with time, maybe because we're old. Who knows? Well, let me not speak for you. I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> I, I feel like my priorities change so much. I love making people laugh. Therefore, I try to make people laugh. Right. And that's where it starts and that's where it ends, you know? Uh, mm. And I learned that. I used to take a lot of um, value from other people's comments, likes, um, filling up an audience, you know, all this stuff made me feel better about myself because of all the other things that were not making me feel better about myself. Right. But one day when like, you know, you, I guess you're at rock bottom or you're just at a very low point and then you realize like, hey, it's just me out here in these streets, you know? Right. 
than all the things that used to be things that validate me, like a career, the right group of friends, the right people, amount of people following. It doesn't matter. I don't care anymore. I really don't. Right. I think, but isn't it funny? I think, I don't know from what I understand and I wish I, I think I'm working on that also myself. You know, at first it was like all the outside validation, you know, to feel good about myself. And I'm really working on the inward stuff. I find that when you're finally filling your own cup, all of a sudden, everything else comes also. It's like Mm -hmm. when you were, it's like, like that thing, when you're trying to reach for it, it's come, it looks like it's further and further away. But when you just sit back and you're like, okay, if it comes, it comes, if it doesn't, it doesn't, then it comes. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, you know, facing the losses, like facing my biggest fears and it was too bad. Right. You know? Right. So right. after that, it's like, I have nothing left to lose. I really don't. I think a huge turning point for me was when my mother passed away. Um, I had spent so many years holding on to the idea that we would reconcile mm. and that we would be close. And she would realize how amazing I am. And, you know, once I realized that um, I'm never going to make peace with her, she's not alive anymore. And the opportunity is gone, you know, um, physic- in the physical world, not in the world to come and not in the truth, but for today, for the rest of my physical existence, it's over. Something clicked inside of me where I was like, the worst feeling that I have been pushing off my entire life actually happened because that was my fear. Like, what if she dies and I won't make it right, mm-hmm. you know? And it happened and I lived. And then I had other fears and some I don't feel comfortable sharing, but you know, I mean, you know, but at this point, like, let's say my relationship not working out, which for me was like my happy ending. Mm. That was it. Like I had fought so many years with myself to accept who I am. And then I found that person and I built a life and blah, blah, blah. And it didn't work out. And it, and it terrified me. And some days it still terrifies me, mm. but I'm out here living. And mm. so at this point, the way that I live my life, especially through social media, especially through people, especially through things come and go and nothing is forever. And I'm out here living every day and, and not apologizing for it. Right. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. It's so, so funny. You know, you, I thank God I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have a very loving family. And for me, it's like, you're saying like, your mom didn't see your greatness. So for me, it's my parents see only great. You know, I've heard that before. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. That children say like, they wish their parents would have given them more guidance and more like, you know, cause everything's always great and everything's la la la, you know? And I'm like, I don't understand you. <laughs> But I, I just what they say I'm so amazing, so amazing. And then and then I also in my relationships, unfortunately, I say that I say I'm very good with people. This is my thing. I'm very good. I read people really well. I do. But then when you get in into my hula hoop circle <laughs> and you come past that border. Hello. That's what I love about boundaries. That's I hide in crowds. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I hide in crowds because in a crowd. It's very easy for me to separate my personal from we're all whatever. And you only get to see like, la, la, la. And that's fine. 
it's when I'm one-on-one with people that I am most vulnerable, which is why, and I'm apologizing to anyone who comes out to shows and wonders why I don't stick around. Mm-hmm. I'll let you come to Stand Up New York because the owner wants you to stick around. It's part of his thing is like people come out to the club, they want to see the person after, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't like to stick around because it's the me part that mm-hmm. I don't want to, I just don't want to be sharing with all these strangers, you know what I mean? Right. So, mm-hmm. and I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable like that. I'm, I struggle one-on-one. I don't take any medication. I go to the gym is my medication. Yes. I work yes. out every day or I play basketball or I swim or I run. I'm very, very active. And I have been for many years. And I literally will walk into the gym and I'm like, eh, I don't want to be here. Right. And then an hour later, I'm like, dope, dope, ready for the yes. day. I'm like, wow, it's literally like freaking serotonin pill. I promise. Yes. yes. And for especially the, 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 most people, I think the days that you, especially you don't want to go to the gym, those are the days that it's the workout afterwards is, is the best. That's what my, my child will say to me, like on Sunday, if I'm around, like, ma, did you work out today yet? Go. Like I'm being annoying. I'm being irritable, you know? So yeah, I get <laughs> the same it. Thing. I said to my daughter, can I go for a walk? She goes, yes, go, yeah. <laughs> go, go get some exercise. But, you know, like I said, vulnerable, the vulnerable one-on-one yeah. is where I, I, my life, I struggle with the most, which is yeah. why I haven't had a successful relationship. Well, my, what I was going to say is my antennas go a little haywire. They, there's a lot of static for me. As soon as you get into that bubble I, and my antennas get staticky, my red flag color tur- turns into green. <laughs> so that's- oh, I am like, we're, oh, that's a red flag. It's not red enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? It needs to be crimson and fuchsia and blood red for me to consider walking away. I right, literally, I, I dated somebody and they told me that they're bipolar. And I was like, hot, yes. Crazy, right? <laughs> Your listeners are going to have a Shabbos party. <laughs> <laughs> But my kids make fun of me. They don't make fun of me. They're always talking to me about Ima. Um, if you meet somebody else, um, we're gonna really check, okay? Because you don't Wait, know how to do Ima this. Is Ima single? What? Is Ima single? No. Yes, I am single. I did not know that. Yes, okay. I am. You were like, if you meet someone else, I'm like, why are you leaving your husband? I did. <laughs> I did leave my husband. <laughs> oh my god, me too. I love two husbands. <laughs> I left one husband and one wife. What? Okay, so let's get to like the, because I think you touched on other things that I want to talk about when you talked about regretful moments. I want to talk about, let's end on a high. What is like your most, oh wait, that, that was the wrong word to use. I mean, obviously, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's end off on a good note. Um, what is your most memorable moment in, in your career of the, of the comedy stuff and entertaining? Like you like, you came for that and you're like, oh my gosh. Um, I keep having them. I keep having moments where I'm like, this is the moment. Oh, so basically, nice. okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the whole joke because I can't, but I will say that I struggled a lot with like coming to terms with who I was. And I went to a big rabbi. And I say to the audience, like, this just happened, by the way. I just did this at a show. Okay. I was like, I said to the rabbi, and the audience is, like, waiting for me to say the rabbi's name. And I'm like, I will not name names yet. <laughs> and 
And then I say the joke. And then I say this rabbi was like, all lesbians should be behind bars. All of them. They should be locked up behind bars. And I'm like, yes, sign me up. Put me behind <laughs> bars. So I say this joke. And then I continue with my whole show. Later in the show, I say something and somebody questions and is like, what? Or they ask a question. And I was like, you want to know everything, don't you? And then I go, you and Rabbi Blank. And then I say his name. Right. So the audience like dies and howls. And because I, you know, you bring it full circle. And, uh, and that just happened. And I just sat back and I just listened to all that laughter. And I'm like, I'm taking this home. I'm taking yeah. it home. A room full of laughter. Give it to me. Oh, it's so literally nice. So nice. I know. I know what you mean. My favorite part of teaching and when I, cause I teach in the morning is when a student, as soon as the bell rings and they say, it's over. Really? That was so quick. I told you, you have to lose everything. Once you lose everything. I mean, listen, this COVID, my mother, my wife, my ovaries, um, <laughs> my taste, my smell. Oh gosh. Well, like two out of five came back. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully it was a taste in the smell. Um, <laughs> um, what do you want to be remembered for, Leah? Like at the end of days, so that people should just say, Leah was. Mm. No, no, I don't. I don't want anyone to say Leah was. I want a lot of people in this world to have a piece of Leah in them. You know um, what I mean? Yes. So I don't care about myself. Forget me. But if I gave you something, if I inspired you somehow. I made you laugh. If I made you cry, if I made you grow, then I did something good. That's mm. all that matters. Yeah. That's beautiful. We're going to end with that, Leah. That was just so beautiful. Thank you so much. Like if people wanted to reach out to you, you are all over the place, but really what is the best way to contact you if they want it for a gig or anything? All right. So um, my Instagram is at Leah Forster, L-E-A-H-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can follow me there. And if you're cute, you can follow me home. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Leah. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Drink It In, the podcast. You can find all my episodes and so much more at maverickpodcasting.com. Come connect and say hi with me on Instagram at drinkitin underscore Jordana. If you like the show, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time.